This is a closer look with Arthur Levitt. Arthur Levitt is a former chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, a Bloomberg LP board member, a senior advisor to the Promontory Financial Group, and a policy advisor to Goldman Sachs. James Doty has spent his career working with regulatory and compliance matters as a partner at the law firm of Baker Botts, with a break from 1990 to 1992, when he served as General Counsel of the Securities and Exchange Commission. In 2011, he was appointed by the SEC as the Chairman of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, known as the PCAOB. Congress created the PCAOB as part of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act to tighten controls on the auditing industry following a string of accounting scandals, most notably the collapse of Enron. Chairman Doty has just finished his six years leading the PCAOB, and he joins me now for a closer look. Jim, as you start to look back at the time you spent heading the PCAOB, what do you regard to be your most significant accomplishment? The, uh, the, the talented staff and uh, the ability to help and perhaps lead a talented staff in what I think are several important changes. An audit reporting model changed the first significant expansion of disclosure in the audit reporting model in 75 years. The uh, identification of the engagement partner and the other participants, the foreign firms that participate in an audit, um, the so-called transparency release that has led to auditor search on our website, enabling people to know who did the audit, get a better understanding of where the audit happened and what the um, uh, participants were. Uh, the cross-border inspection regime expanded significantly, Arthur. We have now covered Europe uh, with, with one or two exceptions. We are around the world. We continue to make progress in China. This is a, an expanding regime in which uh, cross-border audits are becoming an increasingly significant contributor to audit quality and, more importantly, to investor confidence in trying to achieve some uniformity. Economic analysis and research to bring rigor to evidence-based policy making, um, those are all liberating, I think, and, and uh, confidence-building uh, achievements of the PCAOB. During your term as chair, you had a board that held divergent views. You were also overseen by people at the SEC who had been and returned to the big four audit firms that the PCAOB is charged with regulating. How did this impact your ability to accomplish things? Well, first, uh, Congress, of course, created uh, tension in the structure, which I think Congress believes is creative tension um, established by the way the board and the SEC are structured and uh, relate. Um, the SEC has approved our standards. Uh, all of these achievements of the board that I pointed to earlier were approved by uh, a board by unanimous votes. The SEC carried them forward and approved our action. Uh, people come and go in these positions. Um, and There is always going to be some some uh, creative tension over policy disagreements. The key is to get people who are focused on the issues. The Treasury Department in 2008 
recommended that you revise the auditor's report, which you did in 2017. Why did it take the PCAOB so long to accomplish this? And what were the obstacles that you faced? Rigor in, uh, in describing what is expected and doing that in the context of a principles-based approach was a challenge. Um, we came up with critical audit matters as a matter that was communicated or required to be communicated to the audit committee relating to accounts and disclosures that are material to the financial statements and involve challenging subjective or complex auditor judgment. All of that has a statutory base in fostering the public interest in informative audits, but getting there and, and providing sufficient rigor and clarity and addressing uh, the issues that can be raised by the, our profession and broad outreach. Our outreach goes back. Um, we're in, we are almost in, we were in continuous outreach and solicitation of views from the time it was originally discussed, Arthur. And it just takes a, takes time to professionally address those issues. But we got there. I know that uh, early on you threw out the concept that perhaps companies should be required to periodically change their auditor to enhance the auditor's independence. I know that Europe adopted it, but the PCAOB did not. Uh, what's Europe's experience with implementing this auditor rotation rule? We continue to look at that. There's clarity um, that they did not achieve uh, the goal of enhancing competition and spreading engagements outside the big four. That seems to have been an experience. Uh, on the other hand, uh, many audit committees and firms uh, rotated their auditors earlier than they were required to do, which suggests to many that uh, there's a sensitivity on boards that, in fact, uh, this is a matter that shareholders and investors, stakeholders, were beginning to look closely at, and that's our own experience. We can see that here. We're going to require disclosure of tenure in the new audit reporting model. The cost implications of that were um, raised at the time. There were dire predictions that costs would jump by more than 20%. That, of course, did not happen. In fact, costs declined. The, the experiment goes on. Uh, I do think it has led to the creativity they have shown in their own key audit matters, their own experiment with the audit report and the uh, enhancement of disclosure that we see there. Jim, what is the most significant undone item left on your to-do list? We have to implement the, um, uh, the disclosures of the audit reporting model. Uh, we have to continue to worry about uh, the cross-border inspection regime. Uh, there are some large gaps in it. We have yet to complete that process in China, as many of you know. And that goes on. I think it will bear fruit. But it is a continuing undone issue. We must continue to um, integrate economic analysis and rigorous data um, analysis. Uh, we have a, a research project on the use of data, and we're going to be looking for, uh, continually at how we increase and enhance the resources that we can devote to data analysis and to uh, cybersecurity and similar issues consistent with keeping the integrity of our other programs. We've got to maintain the vigor and the uh, muscular force of the inspection regime. That is what has made such a difference in the incentivization of good audits. The judge in the recent Colonial Bank case found that the PCAOB rules 
do require auditors to detect material fraud. How do you view this issue? Well, I don't want to comment on the case, of course, but uh, I have a strong view that auditors should stop suggesting publicly and under oath they have no duty with respect to uh, the detection of fraud. The, the standard is and has always been clear that they have to design and execute an audit that's reasonably intended or has a reasonable prospect of detecting material misstatements, whether due to error or fraud. And that, that phrase, whether due to error or fraud, along with the basic duty, is now going to be part of the audit reporting model. Instead, auditors need to explain why the audit they did perform was a good audit, notwithstanding the fact that it may not have detected fraud, but it was planned and performed as a proper audit. That's what uh, I think has created confusion in the minds of the public as to whether the auditors are actually looking for something which might lead to fraud. You and your predecessors have called for Congress to change the law that prohibits you to undertake enforcement actions as the SEC does when necessary. A bipartisan bill has been introduced in Congress to accomplish this. How would this change better serve investors, and what do you think it will take to get the legislation finally passed? It serves investors because um, investors and their, their counsel and auditors and their counsel are better served if they know where egregious conduct is occurring and what the, SE, what the PCAOB is looking at and where we may be making referrals to the SEC of bad conduct. So it, it is uh, an enhancement of transparency and it expands the incentives for auditors to do the right thing, for boards and companies to do the right thing if the public knows who is being charged for bad conduct. Um, it is going to be important that that, along with the other confidentiality provisions of, of the statute, get attention going forward, Arthur, because the, the tendency of the statute to, to compromise in the area of prudential regulation and keeping uh, facts from the public, I think, is not, uh, is not where the statute will go or needs to go in the future. The whole issue of conflict of interest was brought to light in recent press headlines featuring KPMG, where three former partners have been charged with fraud after the audit firm improperly received advance notice of inspections from the PCAOB employees. Is the revolving door between the large audit firms and their regulators as much a problem for the PCAOB as it is in every government agency? It's a problem. Uh, every regulator has to be concerned about the revolving door. And I, I don't want to comment, obviously, on what has hit the press, uh, in the press now, on the allegations of KPMG. But I would say um, the PCOB has not experienced the, uh, the degree of exiting uh, and the, re the revolving door that we have seen in some cases. It, uh, it is, in fact, as, as a matter that's been tracked, a relatively minor uh, part of our of our uh, workforce leaves to go back to accounting. Many of them go into academe or other areas of, of, of work. Uh, on the other hand, uh, and it's also it's really rare for anyone to leave the PCOB and go back to a, a firm they have inspected. Uh, we are, on the other hand, uh, gratified at the involvement with the Department of Justice. We're very pleased that the, the DOJ has taken the interest in this case they have. 
because they've sent the message. And the, here the Department of Justice's message and the SEC's message is uh, very important. Uh, we have to, as a, as a regulator, think about career paths that will lead to opportunities outside the return to the firm inspected or the industry overseen. Uh, that's a job that requires resources and creativity at the regulator. And we're no different from any other regulator in, in uh, being concerned about that revolving door. Jim, I don't have to tell you we are in a deregulatory environment. Are you seeing that reflect in any way in terms of the PCAOB budget or uh, mission or staffing or any aspect of it? Are you feeling the squeeze of deregulation? I think, first of all, our resources and our budget are adequate uh, to execute our mission and to continue to, to uh, perform what the PCOB uh, does. Um, there's no question that going forward, resources are going to be required, as I said before, to build technical capabilities so that we can, in fact, understand and evaluate what audit firms are doing with technology, what issuers do with technology. That's expensive. Uh, resources will have to be uh, invested there, and you can't star Peter to pay Paul here, I think, to take those resources away from programmatic areas such as inspection and enforcement and to go to inspection light or enforcement light as a means of generating resources for technology evaluation, that would be uh, a, a terrible idea and, and a formula for disaster. Uh, Jim, the House Financial Choice Act includes a provision that does away with the PCAOB's investor advisory group because the SEC also has an investor advisory committee. Do you believe we need both? Absolutely. Investors are dispersed. They are um, of very different views. We are in charge of or charged with Congress with, you know, with outreach and gaining an understanding of what investors want in auditing and what they're seeing and uh, through audit committees and other vehicles. We need an investor advisory group to do that. As I mentioned last week, Chairman Clayton attended the first meeting of our investment advisory group, and uh, this, I think, is, is, is certainly helpful, uh, and it, it indicates to me that we need certainly both groups. Incentivization, we talked about a little bit last week, and um, to have an auditor who has the courage to stand up and risk the loss of an audit client is what investors and all of us depend on in the public. And an investor advisory group and a strong and independent PCAOB are the key getting that. Have you talked to Chairman Clayton about this issue and does he support the notion of uh, retaining an investor advisory committee? We, we haven't discussed the specifics of this legislation but everything that he has done and said says to me that he believes that it's important that audit be strong, that it be, as you said, uh, the, the lifeblood, the linchpin of our capital markets when you were chair of the SEC, and that uh, the auditor has to be um, as pure as Caesar's wife. They need to be um, above reproach, and the public has to have confidence that they are working for them. An investor advisory group is, uh, is helpful in providing, it's important in providing that sense that the auditor knows and remembers who they work for and what that, uh, what that investing public wants. 
Are we getting the best and brightest people in the country to serve on the PCAOB? Well, the, uh, I, I suspect you'd have some opinion in the profession that the, that the recently departed chairman certainly uh, disproves that. That, that in fact they would uh, there would uh, there would be people they would have preferred to have uh, over the last six years. I, I think you get committed people. These are all people who want to do good. Uh, they bring different skills. They bring different uh, points of view, uh, but in fact, the PCAOB is a, is a body that is a deliberative um, policy-making body, and I think both at the, at the PCAOB and the SEC, um, you find people who have an inherent interest in the subject matter of the uh, performing the statute and the subject matter of audit. From an economic point of view, a seat on the PCAOB is probably quite a plum in Washington. Is the process of attaining a board seat political? Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, in the sense that I think politics enter into all policy in Washington. And the views of, of politicians, the views of people responsible to the electorate uh, surface, they count in the formation of these regulatory and uh, quasi-regulatory agencies. Um, this is underpins some of the constitutionality of what we do. And the public wouldn't want it any other way, I think. They wouldn't want to think that elected representatives and the, uh, the policies that are debated um, in the Congress have no relationship whatever to the, the structure of regulation. The problem is, the, the challenge is to make sure that you can still have effective regulation and that agencies such and, and entities such as the PCAOB are not paralyzed by political activity. And the, the record of the PCAOB demonstrates that you can be uh, independent and you can make major achievements in improving audit quality and protecting the public interest in, uh, in good audits without regard to the interests that, uh, that the Congress and political entities may have in what you do. The Chamber of Commerce and the, um, the profession are very adept at making their political views known in Washington, as you, as you know, better than anyone. And this is why we need an investor advisory group, and we need to have people um, willing to come to the board and to the SEC who can look those interests in the eye and say, we hear you, we are listening, but in this case, we don't completely agree. That's been the process that has worked. Jim, the International Organization of Audit Regulators found that 42% of all audits around the globe fail to comply with professional standards. How much faith do you have in foreign country audits in general? We have found uh, egregious uh, examples in the form of uh, document alteration, uh, concealment, um, audit opinions issued without work at all being done. We have sanctioned auditors in, around the world, Brazil, Mexico, Indonesia, um, Hungary, Hong Kong. So there, there is, there's no question but what the, the international inspection regime has resulted in some very impactful and important enforcement actions that come out of it and continue to show uh, that there is a great deal of improvement and work to be done in foreign audits. Now I know that the PCAOB has had talks with Chinese regulators for probably a decade concerning the 
ability to perform inspections of the audits of Chinese companies that list in the United States and receive U.S. investor funds. What will it take to get meaningful access to all the auditors' work papers in China? The, um, the counterpart of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board and of our Securities and Exchange Commission is the China Securities Regulatory Commission, CSRC. Uh, they and the Ministry of Finance are the entry point, uh, but they are, in fact, looked at closely by many ministries within China. Um, it is an historic change in China for the United States to send an inspection team to inspect their audits. Um, it's, it has required careful work with these regulators, and um, I believe it will bear fruit. I believe we are going to get there and uh, achieve the ability to look at, for the U.S. authorities to look at uh, Chinese work papers in China. That's what's required. That's what it will take. Win-win for China. And what's required to have that happen, I think, Arthur, is for the Chinese to, to share generally the view which I believe their regulators hold, which is that this is a, a mutually beneficial thing for China, a win-win for China, at a time when they're seeking greater participation in international capital markets, when they want to float more of their securities here, at a time when direct listings may be an issue in this market. It's extremely important that people believe that, uh, and see that their audits are subject to the same kind of scrutiny and oversight as U.S. audits. How big a concern are cyber attacks? And do you think that audits adequately assess that risk and reflect it? It's important for the audit regulator to know that the auditors are looking at this and to, to know what they're doing to assess the competence of the issuer, the uh, adequacy of devotion of resources by the issuer. Um, it's, it's clearly a matter within the scope of the auditor to be aware. Uh, the regulator has to be uh, similarly aware of the extent to which audit firms are doing that. Are they doing their job by testing and by examining? And uh, this, is, this is going to be an ongoing and increasingly resource-intensive area for audit and for audit regulation, audit oversight uh, in the coming years. You know, turning back to the investor advisory group, I can recall their concern with the dominance of the big four firms. What would be the impact to the financial system, if any, if one of these firms went under? And is this a matter that should concern us? We're, we're of course, um, hopeful uh, that audit firms continue to improve, that they continue to do a good job, and that they do not go under. Uh, four firms are not as um, desirable as six or eight or ten major firms, but we are unlikely to get back to uh, any of those situations. The, uh, the focus that a regulator can bring to this is to assess the extent to which other activities of the, uh, of the audit firm, uh, non-audit activities, in fact, in any way imperil or um, put in jeopardy the firm. Uh, this obviously is something that is current. And, uh, we, we, we as a society and the regulators uh, think about it and should think about it. Through the years, Jim, the SEC and the PCAOB uh, has had different kinds of 
relationships. Uh, how would you say the relationship is today? Could it be improved in any way? Does the Commission give as uh, much deference to the PCAOB and support as they should? Well, I think it is, uh, the relationship is one of respectful uh, communication, respectful and open communication, strong flow of information, and um, a constant strong change, exchange of views and ideas. Uh, again, um, that is what Congress set up. Um, I think the American people, uh, the public, generally um, would expect that there be an exchange of views and um, discussion between the securities regulator and the audit regulator. The challenge is always going to be to preserve the independence and the, um, the ability of the audit regulator to uh, set a course and to uh, continue on it. But I think the SEC's recent approvals of our transparency release and our audit reform model and other actions, the communications with audit committees, all of this um, indicates that that relationship is one that uh, can work and is working. He's had a long career in regulation and compliance as a partner of the international law firm Baker Botts, also as general counsel to the SEC, and he just ended his six years of service as the chairman of the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. James Doty, thanks for joining us. By the way, if any in the audience have comments about the show or suggestions for topics, email me at a closer look at Bloomberg.net. That's a closer look, one word, at Bloomberg.net. And follow me on Twitter at Arthur Levitt, one word. This is a closer look with Arthur Levitt. 